Amen. We're in the book of 1 John this morning as we continue journeying through the Bible. So if you would, would you grab your Bible and open up 1 John chapter 4 as we're again making our way verse by verse uh, through this book. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in front of you and the chairs in front of you. You can grab one of those and page numbers there on the screen uh, so that you'd be able to follow along with us. If you wanted to use an electronic device, you can use that as well. Use a Bible app in that one way or another We really want you to have the Word of God in front of you. That's true for everybody here in the sanctuary, but if you're joining us online, if you're joining us just in the overflow, please hear the same invitation. Grab a Bible. May it be that God would work in your life and our lives this morning through the power and the authority of His Word. May it be that that be the thing that lands. So that's what we're going to aim for. With that in mind, let's take a moment and pray for that. I'm going to lead you in prayer as we often do at this space uh, before we get into a Bible study. And my longing is that you would pray. Quietly, you would ask God to, by his power, help you to understand what he wants you to get out of this morning. Let's ask him. Father, thank you that you know us, that though we're here together, you know us individually. Thank you that your work is that individual, that you're working everything together for good, that you're at work in lives, directing hearts and steps. God, believing even into this moment, it's your aim and desire that we each would hear from you. And the beauty of that is it will be different, that the specific nugget that is needed right now, the truth that would permeate souls, although flowing out of the same section, would be personal. And I love that you do that. God, I'm asking you to do that. I'm asking you to go far beyond human ability far beyond anything we could imagine or comprehend, but meet us this morning. Meet us in a place that your word is open to us. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see that which you would have for us from your word this morning. We ask for that together, and we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we begin this morning, can I begin with a silly personal story that I hope would actually help us gaze a little bit into the things that we're going to see this morning. So it was like 15 years ago. 15 years ago, we uh, were here in town and the circus had come through town and we were taking our, our family to the circus, as many of you maybe have done similar things. And so we're there in the circus watching all the different events and we get to that part of the circus that I don't know if it's your favorite or least favorite, but it's the clowns. And so there we are, they're doing the whole clown thing, and then they began to seek someone from the audience to be a part of it, and lo and behold, they picked me. I mean, like, I had no idea. It was like, wait, what? You know, like, and they're like, you? And I'm like, no, like, not, you know, it's like, I didn't sign up for this, but, you know, so I I got picked, and so I'm being brought down there to the clown thing, and one of the clowns is doing this knife-throwing thing. They got this board, he's like, he's doing pretty good, you know, throwing the knives, but then they take and they set me you know, up against the, the, the board, and they blindfold me and kind of began to tell me, you know, hey, they're going to throw knives, you know, at this whole thing, and, you know, I got to be honest with you, I probably should have been a better sport and kind of like gone along with it, because I know what they were kind of wanting, you know, I know that they were wanting it to be like terrified and, you know, like freaking out, you know, over the whole thing, but I just want to tell you what happened, so I'm there, and I can remember, you know, I'm there, and it just began, it just hit me, it's like, they're not going to hurt me, like, this is what they do, 
You know, this, they do this all the time. I mean, this is, this is a show. And so I don't know what they're going to do, but I know there's no chance, you know, that a knife is going to go sticking into my, you know, my shoulder or something like that. I just, I know it's not going to happen. So um, I literally just stood there, kind of like that, you know, comic, you know, just straight man that doesn't laugh or do anything at all. You know, it's like, it, and I, I'm sure it was disappointing to him, but so they, they have it. And of course, I don't know what's happening, you know, because I'm literally blindfolded. But, you know, instead of actually throwing the knives, there's a, you know, a clown right next to me who is sticking the knives into the boards all around me, like, you know, and, but I'm just kind of standing there like, okay, you know, it's waiting for this whole thing to, to, to get over. And, and, and so they got over and they, you know, kind of thanked me for being a good sport. I think my kids still hate clowns to this day, by the way. Uh, I think it was a terrifying moment for them. But I mean, for me, it was just like, okay, you know, it's not really going to happen. And, and so I got down. Well, I tell you this silly story because as I was processing through just the truth that we're going to get this morning, it just came back to my mind. And I was thinking it through for a moment, thinking... You know, we live in a world that, for again, just using my silly story as a part of it, that in many ways a clown would in so often seek to be, you know, clowns just kind of throwing knives at us, want to make you terrified. Things that would want to make you and I scared into the midst of everything that would be there. And I want you to just kind of think that through with me for a moment and then recognize that there's a way that there can be truth truth that would grab hold of our lives, truth that would grab us in a way that would give us facts, that would hold us in a place that we would not find ourselves terrified, that we would not find ourselves kind of being moved by that. And that's exactly where I want to invite you to be this morning. So with that in mind, let's look at the passage we're going to cover. It begins there in verse 4. It says it this way, you are of God, little children. And have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God, and he who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Incredible truths, facts that could rescue us, facts that could hold us in the midst of it, but we need to begin with who's being specifically addressed. Go back and see it one more time there at the beginning of verse 4. You are of God, and then notice who he's speaking to, little children. Yeah, he's speaking to little children. That's a term that's used in the Bible and here in 1 John to very specifically speak of Christians. That's important for us to make sure we latch ourselves around that. That when we think about the idea of being a child, or literally a child of God, that's not true of everybody. We've talked about this already in the book of 1 John, understanding that not everybody is a child of God. In fact, only Christians are. Why don't you look with me back for a chapter? You're there at the beginning of 4, but go back to chapter 3 for a moment. There in verse 1 of it. Or in chapter 3, it said it this way. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, 
we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Incredible truth that we spent time a few weeks back. If that's interesting, you need more information on that, I would invite you to go back to chapter 3 in the messages found online or wherever and be able to kind of track that through. But I just want to hold to you again how powerful this is. In fact, one of the verses that we talked about that week, I'll quickly remind you about as well. It's there in John chapter 1, in verses 12 and 13, it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So he's telling us about those who are children of God, that there are some that God has given the right the right to be that. In fact, he's going to say they become that. That's important for us. It's not what we were. It's not what we had. It's something that we've became. Who are those who became children of God? Well, he tells us right there in the text. As many as received him, to those who believe in his name. As many as received Jesus. Who received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, who received him as that, they become something they were not before. They become children of God and they're born. Or as it will say later in John chapter 3, they're born again. That we are those who are born again. And he lets us know that we, we think about what that is. It's not of blood. Like you don't get this because of your parents. It's not the will of the flesh. It's not the will of man. It's not something you can accomplish. It's not something somebody else can accomplish for you. It's only God. This is only of God. This is his incredible work. Now, if you could grab that with me for a moment and see how amazing this is, then you would again understand, hey, this is uniquely true of Christians. It is unbiblical and even just wrong to call anybody else a child of God. They are God's creation. They are not his children. But if you're a believer in Christ, if you're a believer in Christ, then you are a child of God. Now, I hold that out to you. And as I say that, let me say this right at the very outset. If you're outside of that, as if we work through these things this morning, we talk about facts and things that are true for every single Christian. If you're not a Christian today, then please understand God is still inviting. He is still drawing. He is still saving. He's one that would do that today. And I don't want you to hear this in a way that confuses you, that makes you think you have this. But I want to hold it out to you, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, that this is what God would do that he would invite you into this place that you could believe and become a child of God. Well, with that invitation, again, just leaving that there, if you're here this morning and you are a Christian, then this is yours. Everything we're going to talk about this morning are not things that God is asking you to do. They are things that are true in you because of him. They are facts. They are facts that would help you be fearless. They are facts that would cause you to believe and see life in a very different way. Or to use my silly story at the beginning, facts that could cause you to stand and, and, and be unmoved as clowns are throwing knives at you, as, as, as they're trying to make you afraid. You, would, you could hold something that would cause you to be fearless. And if that's you this morning, I'm inviting you to it. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to see these things in a way that you would know that they are true of you. 
So fact number one, it's found there at the beginning, verse four, you, he says, are of God, little children. You are of God. That's a fact. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you're his. You are his and he is yours. He is your God. This is an incredible reality that God would look at you in this world and say, mine. You're, you're his. You're of God. That's an, a reality that would hold us in the midst of everything. And in the midst of that, understand there's an incredible contrast that's being played out, especially in light of what we saw last week. Now, if you weren't here, I apologize, but it would be really good if you want to go back and kind of put it all together, listen to the last week's message. You can find it online or ask us for a CD or a DVD and we'll get it for you. But last week we talked about the reality of false prophets, false teachers, but even just the reality of false gods. And one of the things I pointed out to you is the reality that the Bible plays out for us is that there is only one God and there's only one way. That in our world right now, that worldwide, if you could see it truthfully, there are, there's only one God. Every other God in our world is either a man-made lie and or a demonic creation. And the scripture is really clear about that. That, that there are lots of other things that people call gods. In fact, those who survey this worldwide said there's about 4,000 different religions in our world right now. Although most people find themselves in one of five categories in the world. But hear it again in a very simple and clear way. Everyone who is not a Christian, who doesn't know God in Christ, whatever they're holding to, whatever they're believing in, it's a lie. It's not true. They're not His. Now, most of the world actually believes in a God. Very few, a very small percentage of our world are atheist in the sense of, of saying there is no God. I mean, I know that sometimes here in America, we can feel like it's a bigger percentage than that. It's not. Most people in the world believe but most people believe in something that isn't true, that Jesus would tell us that there's a broad way that most people are on that's leading to hell. And that reality should just wash over us for a moment, cause us to see that, and then to understand that where we are in the midst of that, in the midst of a world that's dark, in the midst of a world that's confused, we're His. I mean, we are His. This isn't something that you have to feel to be true. And it's not something you could sit here this morning and think, well, I feel like a child of God, or I, I feel like I'm, you know, uniquely His. You might not feel it, but if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you are genuinely saved, it doesn't really matter what you feel. It is true. And if you could get this, if you could just understand this, believing this could actually change literally everything about the way that you see things. I like the way Paul would talk about it in Romans 8. He says, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? Wow, and that's big. That's just really big news. He says, if, if, if God is our God, so what else could come against that? Now, in context in Romans 8, he talks about a lot of things, sickness and sorrow and suffering and all these things, but he says, our God is bigger than all that. And if God is for you, if your God's, then, then that would give us a confidence. That would give us a, a, a radical different perspective into the way that we see our lives, and that's exactly what he's offering to you this morning. He's saying, here's what I need you to understand. This is a fact. If you're a Christian, you're his. You're of God. 
You're of him. You belong to him in this world, in a world that's confused. You are uniquely and wonderfully his. In the midst of that, he gives us another fact. Fact two, also found in verse four. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Wow. Yeah, he says, here's what you need to understand. This is a fact. If you're a child of God this morning, you have overcome them. You have overcome them. We probably need to begin with them. We need to think, okay, so what are we talking about? When he's going to tell us here this morning that we've overcome them, well, in a very simple way, the them includes everything else that's out there in the dark. It would include the world, because he's kind of talking about that. He's looking at the world around us as he ends in verse 3 there. Talks about the Antichrist who are already in the world, or down in verse 5, they are of the world, therefore they speak as the world, and the world hears them. So the them would have to be this unsaved dark world out there. The them would have to include what he talks about at the end of verse 3, which are antichrists. It's really where we landed last week and reminded you that really Satan's a big play in the world, but also what he's doing right now is things that would take the place of Jesus, which is the idea of antichrist, things that would seek to occupy the primary place, the main thing that we're supposed to have in life, which is Jesus. But he's letting us know, you've actually overcome them. Behind all of that, is the devil, the devil and his lies, that he is the one that is work in our fallen world. He's the one that is behind so much as that is happening. So in kind of just in a full encompassing way, the them is that, (laughs) everything else that's out there. If you're of God, we're his in this broken world, and everything else out there, you've overcome them. Overcome? Yeah, overcome is this interesting word. It literally means to conquer. It's the Greek word nikao, uh, and it speaks of a, of a victory. It's where we, where we even get the word Nike. If you have, if you're actually wearing it this morning, you have one of those Nike shoes with a little Nike mark on it. Maybe you know, don't know. In, in, that's a Greek word. That's a whole context that speaks of victory. That's a whole place that speaks of conquering. That would seek of, of, of being victorious or having the victory. Now you might already see it, but if not, please notice with me how it says this. It doesn't say you're going to overcome them. It doesn't say you might overcome them. It says you have. It says if you're a follower of Jesus, you have. In fact, in the Greek language, it's a little bit more interesting. It's a perfect tense past, which has the idea is it's accomplished, but today we're living in light of that, that the focus of this is where we are, but it's flowing out of something that is fully done that is fully accomplished, which is, again, the idea that you can catch it. I mean, you get it just in the reading in English. You have overcome them. One of the things that God is inviting you to see this morning, to be able to embrace as a solid fact, is that if you're a follower of Jesus, we are involved in a battle, if you want to think about it that way, a war in this world. We're involved in things, but the outcome is not in doubt. The end is not uncertain. The end of the story is fully known, that we are fighting a battle. We are living a life that is already accomplished, that the end is already there, that we're fighting a battle that is already won. 
that he's inviting you and I to realize that we're not fighting for a victory, we're fighting from it. And that would be a very different thing. I want to tell you how incredibly powerful this is, that right now you and I are being invited to see the story, to see the big story that God is doing in the world, seeing that he's accomplished in Christ, seeing the wonder of what he's accomplished, and then to be able to embrace it and to say, I'm solidly aware of where this is going. How do you put this into to practice? How do you imagine this? Imagine with me for a moment that maybe it was a sports game. Maybe you're, you're playing football or basketball or whatever game you're going to play, and you show up, and you just look over at the other team, and you say, oh, by the way, we've already won. And, you know, that, that, somebody's like, that's just trash talk. I mean, you're just kind of, you know, you know, just kind of trying to, it's like, no, no, really, really, we've already won. I mean, we're going to play the game but I just need you to know you've already lost. And, and what if you actually knew that to be the fact? What if you weren't worried, you know, I don't know, I don't know if we're going to win. <laughs> I mean, we're really going to give it our best shot, and, and we're, we're hoping that by the end of the game, no, it's like, I already know. I mean, I don't know how the, you know, the intervening, you know, periods are going to go, but I know this, in the end, we win. Like, you're going to lose. I'm absolutely confident that we're on the winning side. What if it was a war that you were literally fighting and you could look and say, I know where the outcome of this is. I don't have any question about it. I don't have any doubt about the end of the story. I, I, I know how this story ends. I know that Jesus wins in the end. And so because of that, I know I've actually already won. I'm actually already an overcomer. I'm not waiting to become an overcomer. I'm not waiting that someday, he says, no, I'm, I'm believing that that's already where I am. I, I think about this. Some of you are here on Easter Sunday, and this was kind of a little bit of the thought we did. We went back into chapter 2 of 1 John, and we talked about that verse in verse 28, where he simply says, the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. And we talked about then, what I just want to remind you about now, is he's inviting us to look out at our world. And to see everything that is darkness, darkness that's demonic or evil or bad, and, and all the evil that's flowing in there. And there's a bunch. There's a bunch in there. But he says, if you could see it, it's already lost. The darkness is already moved. I mean, if you could see it, you would say, it's vanishing away. It, it's time is limited. It's time is not there. But Jesus has already won. The true light is already shining. It's already accomplished. It's already ours. And, and he's inviting us to be able to see that not just as a future hope, but a confidence that's ours now, that we would believe that we've overcome. In fact, he'll say it again in chapter 5 of 1 John. He says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that's overcome the world, our faith. And who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Or just working our way backwards through that, have you, if you've believed that Jesus is the Son of God, then you're the one that has a victory because you've believed, because of your faith. And here's the thing, everything, everything that is born of God wins. Everything that's of God has overcome the world. Everything that that is, is, is in that place of, of saying, hey, this is who we are. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Jesus would be speaking to the disciples in Luke 12, and in a space where they're kind of dealing with fears and anxieties and worries, and he just looks at them and says, do not fear. 
little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And he just looks and says, I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want fear to grip your hearts. I want you to know this. The end is, is certain. God is giving you the kingdom. God is bringing this to pass. You are on the winning side. I mean, you're in this space where that victory is yours. It's a fact. It is just a fact. Whether you believe that fact or not is, doesn't change the fact. If you're a follower of Jesus, we've won. We've overcome. We are overcomers. We are those who are a part of what God is doing. And there's somehow, we're in the midst of it, it's meant to grab us. It's meant to cause us to feel maybe a little differently than, than the way that we feel. See, here's what I, I, I recognize, that we're living in this fallen world, and darkness is so real, and brokenness is so much a part of this world. And for some of you, honestly, it feels like the world is winning. And sometimes you wake up and you think, I think it might win. Uh, I, I'm not sure that we are going to make it. I'm not sure that truth is going to last. I'm not sure that, uh, you know, you just, you can almost feel the oppression. And I just want to tell you how different it would be where you'd be able to like, you know, I don't know how the, the next few days are going to work out. I, I don't know the midst of the story, but I know the end of the story. And I know this, we, whatever's going to happen in this intervening space, it doesn't change the end of the story. And I'm confident of that. I know this. It's a fact that we are those who overcome. It's a fact that he's holding out to us. But with that fact, he gives us another truth, one that really is the strength of it. So go back and read it with me again. We'll just start in verse 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because, catch the because, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Fact, God, the one who's inside of you as a follower of Jesus, he is greater. Who's the he? Is it God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit? Probably the best answer to that is yes. Uh, you know, it is the work of Christ in us. It's God. It's the Holy Spirit that is poured onto our lives, and he just wants us to understand the fact is, is that the one that's inside of us, the God who is inside of every single believer in Christ, he is greater. And because he's greater, that's why we overcome. The reason that we can look at everything that's broken in our world, the reason we can look at it and say, hey, we overcome, it's not because of us. It is because of him. It's not because of what we do. It's because of what he's done. We ought to be really clear about this because when we think about this idea of him being the overcomer and him being the greatest one, it is accomplished through the gospel. It is accomplished through Christ. It is accomplished in Jesus coming, living, perfect life, dying on the cross, and rising again. And that was actually a part of where we were last week. And so let's just go back and quickly note it. Just notice with me there in verse 2. It says it this way, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. So we unpacked that a little bit last week, but let me just tell you, that's a really well, just very slimmed down way 
of saying that the essence of the gospel, to talk about Jesus Christ, Christ not being his last name, Christ being who he is, the Messiah, being God, it talks about God becoming flesh and, and dying on the cross. It's the idea of the recognition of the greatest work that's ever been accomplished, that the greatest events that have ever been imagined, that God became flesh and died on the cross for us, that that, because of who he is and because of what Jesus did in dying on the cross and rising from the grave, that's how we can look at and and find this incredible confidence and say we are overcomers because he overcame. We're overcomers because he conquered sin and death and he conquered the grave. And because he did that, because he is that, we can look at it and say, he's greater. He's greater than anything else. Greater than what? Well, again, kind of same context. When he says the one who is greater than you, than than he who is in the world, the he, well, it's probably certainly speaking of the devil, certainly speaking of Satan, that we'd look at it and say, in the world, the whole world, he'll tell us in chapter 4, lies under the sway of the wicked one, lies under the sway of the devil, but God is bigger than him. But it also probably talks about the Antichrist, which is where it ended in verse 3, those who are lying to us and offering up other gospels and every other lie. And, and without spending more time on that, I think it's enough just to look at all of it and say that anything that's out there, Anything that's in the midst of the world, anything that's in the midst of the darkness, or any source that's there, God is greater. I wonder if you feel it. Again, if you can see it from the biblical perspective, if you're a child of God, you're His. And and the light is already shining, as He told us there in chapter 2, and the darkness is passing away. And you can almost look out at this world and just see the darkness, the darkness that is demonic and filled with lies and brokenness, and sin, and sorrow, and suffering, and almost the turmoil of, of everything that's in the world, almost as if it's this, this dark, you know, massive thing spinning around, and you could just look at it and say, the reason we can face that is because our God is bigger than it. He's bigger than anything that's there. He's bigger than anything that's in the world. He's bigger than anything that's a part of this. The reason that we can have confidence in this is because of who he is, that greater is he who is within us than he is in the world. If you memorize Bible verses, can I just tell you this is a good one to memorize? If you haven't already memorized it, I find it to be a life-giving wonderfully almost vibrating with life truth that just flows in my prayer life often Uh, that you know I'll be there maybe praying for somebody and the concerns that are in their life and 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 maybe it's spiritual maybe it's physical maybe it's sickness maybe it's sorrow and I can honestly pray and recognize this God is bigger than that God is bigger than whatever you're facing And I can pray for a believer and say, greater is he who is within you than that thing that is in the world. Now, that doesn't mean that he doesn't still let us go through some of those things, that we still don't go through trials and sufferings. That's still a part of this course, but it's not because those things are greater than God. There's never anything that would come against your life that God would say, oh, that's big. Uh, Sorry, 
bigger than me. Sorry, that's outside of my purview. I, I can't handle that. I mean, cancer, that's, that's, that's bigger than me. Um, you know, sorrow and loss and death. No, there's not anything that God would not look at and say, I'm bigger than that. I'm stronger than that. There's not anything that you're going to go through. There's not anything that you could ever face that would intimidate him, that would make him feel small. He is inviting you and I into this place that we would recognize that he is greater, that he is absolutely greater than anything else. If you believe this, I mean, if you really could wrap your mind around this, it would be the answer to a thousand questions that we're facing, thousands of things that we're dealing with. In fact, think about it this way. I don't know how many of you are journeying through the Bible with us as a church. It's definitely an invitation as we are on May 1st today. If you want to join us in that, you can do that. If you are reading through us in a daily Bible reading, you're in the book of Job. Uh, It's been an interesting and difficult read because Job deals with suffering and it deals with sorrow and it deals with all the questions. And if you've been with us for 37 chapters, We've debated, why? Why is this? Why do people suffer? Why does suffering happen? Why is it happening? And there's been a thousand questions raised by Job and Job's friends. But if you're reading with us, we are in the sweet spot. We are in the good part of the book of Job because in chapter 38, God personally answers. This is really, really good news. This is really, God himself is going to answer Job and he's going to answer everybody who's asking these questions. But can I give you the skinny of it? Can I give you just the, the, the summed down version of it? See, if you could feel it, you would be waiting, almost with bated breath, like, okay. Like, we've had questions, and we've asked questions, and now we're asking, and God is going to speak, and can I tell you this? God knows the answer to every question that was asked. They asked why, how come, how long, what's God doing, When is it going to change? They asked all the questions, the kind of questions that sometimes we ask when life is hard. I'm sure you've all experienced it, and I know that you will. Sometimes you go through a difficult space, you go through a difficult thing, and we just begin to ask the questions like, God, what are you doing? How long? Why why are you letting this happening? What what are you doing? What's the point of what I'm going through? Why do I have to face this? We have questions. And sometimes we think that the answers to those questions are actually what we need. That if God would explain to us why he let you go through something and how long it's going to be and what good he's going to do through it, sometimes we have the idea of thinking that that's the answer we need. Now, God could give us that answer, and certainly in eternity we'll understand it. But if you're reading in the book of Job, that's not the answer God gave what does God answer? God shows Job how big he is. He says, look, at, I made everything. I'm the God who created, sustained, holds, knows everything. Job, do you see who I am? Do you see my greatness? What God told Job is so often what we need is like, I just need to see how big he is. I need to remind myself that he is greater than anything that I'm going through, that he is bigger, more majestic, more wonderful. And the really crazy thing is that's the real answer you need. Now, maybe you already knew that. Maybe you're like, Jim, that's why I'm here today, because I, I needed that reminder. But sometimes it's just not the answer we think we need. Sometimes we think, well, if I just knew why, if I knew what, if I knew how long, those are the cool things. 
And God's like, no, you need to, well, in the words of Psalm 46, you need to be still and you need to know that I'm God. You need just to stop and say, okay, God, you're God. You're God. I mean, you're the God and there's not anything that I'm going through right now that you're not bigger than and you don't understand. Now, it's an amazing passage, and if you're reading with us in Job, you'll read it today in the next couple of days, but can I tell you something? You have a better view of it than Job, for Job is reminded that God is the creator and sustainer, but you get to see that he's the Savior. What Job had not yet comprehended is that God would send his only begotten son, be born on earth, pay the ultimate price for sin, and rise from the grave. What Job could not yet fully comprehend is the massive work that God would do that would be the answer to all the world's problems, but you get to know it. So when it's telling us here, it says, if you could see it, if you could just see that God is bigger than that, if you could believe it right now, and you could just, you know, be able to look at whatever it is you're facing, and just know, my God is bigger than this it could give you peace. I gave you my silly story, right? I mean, the whole kind of the idea of clown. You could sit there when the clowns of this world are plunging knives into the boards next to you, you would be able to go like, well, you know, God is bigger than this. I don't know why. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know why, but I know this, this isn't out of control. And I know this, that he's not up there sweating and straining. I know where I am. And I know who he is, and that could give you incredible peace. And whether you feel it or not, it's true. Whether you believe it or not, our God is greater than anything that you're going through. Well, as we process that through, he wants to give us, well, kind of one, kind of two more facts that would help the way that we see that. Let's kind of process it through. So we get it this way, you're reading. I just want to go back to the beginning so you can see it in context. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. So facts, as we're trying to process it through, he adds to this whole place, and he simply says it at the beginning of verse 6 there, we are of God. Now, it's worth just quickly noting, we began in verse 4, you are of God. Now we say, we are of God. So the question for us as Bible students at this moment is, who's the we? Who's the we? Who's the us that now is getting talked about here in verse 6 when we say we are of God and he who knows God hears us? Without spending a bunch of time on it, can I just tell you that scholars who are way smarter than me uh, tell us that ultimately these are the apostles, that ultimately we're talking about the, the flow of New Testament truth. We're talking about the authoritative message that we came through John that is the gospel, that is the message of Christ, that is what we just talked about above this, that Jesus has come in the flesh, and ultimately it would be that source of apostolic biblical truth that flows down there. And without in any way uh, you know, making that confusing, I just want to say I agree. I agree. And so in one sense, we are talking about truth. We are talking about biblical truth. We're talking about the gospel. But not taking that away at all, I want to tell you there is certainly another element to it that I want you to feel just for a moment, that 
there is a little bit here that when we talk about the we and we talk about us, we're talking about not just, you know, the message of the gospel, but the body of Christ. That there is a sense that there is a feeling of us and them. There is a sense that when we think about, hey, we're of God, you know, that you're of God, but we also have a sense of, of, of the we of the body of Christ. Feel it just with me for a moment. Let me just read it that way again and kind of emphasize it, beginning in verse 5. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. Yeah, I want to put to you that there's a little bit that you could almost look at this and not just understand the flow of the gospel, but almost just this broken world and, and say, okay, there's a lot of lies out there, but there's this body of Christ. There's this incredible reality of being His, and we are in an entirely different space, that we're a part of this incredible thing that is the body of Christ, which leads to the final fact that we need to understand this morning. So as he's unpacking that for us, what he wants us to understand is that this becomes definitive. Reading in verse 6, we are of God, and he who knows God hears us. That there is a sense that he's telling us that this is a fact, that the one who is of God is listening to God's truth that the one who is of God is responding to that. Now, again, he's kind of contrasting it to the world because he tells us in verse 5, they're of the world. They speak as the world and the world hears them. And so if you could almost picture it again in the way we've tried to picture it this morning, that we're thinking about what the devil's doing in the world and this entire darkness that is like 4,000 other religions and uh, all these lies and all these things. He says, well, they're, that, that's the world. And they listen to it because they're of it that they speak like it and the world likes it, that's what they listen to. But if someone's actually of God and knows God and has a relationship with God, they hear it. They become one, he who is of God hears us. If someone's not of God, he says, they don't hear. And what he wants us to understand is that gives us a a perspective on all of it. Go back and read it again in verse six. We are of God. And he who knows God hears us, for he who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error, that this fact becomes both true but also clarifying. It's how we recognize it. It's not surprising to us that the world rejects Jesus, but it's defining for us that God's people embrace Jesus that God's people specifically believe in in Jesus' death, resurrection, the the wonder of the gospel, the wonder of everything we've tried to unpack in these last couple weeks, that everything is found in Christ. And in one sense, he says, it's not surprising, we kind of knew it would be that way. Now, again, let me press this try for a moment, because maybe you'd like totally get this, you're like, well, of course, Jim. I mean, yeah, I mean, how else would I have seen it? But sometimes I think we miss it. Sometimes you can live in this world, and so you're, you're, you're watching the news, you're reading what's on the internet, and you're reading all the darkness in the world, and sometimes it almost just can make you become unglued. Like, I can't believe it. I can't believe they just keep believing all these crazy things, and they keep doing all this dark stuff, and ah, why is that? And sometimes it's like, because oh, oh, they're of the world, because they don't know Jesus. I, they don't, I mean, because that's why they live in that space. That's why they're in that darkness 
But what incredible hope there is to recognize that the person who is a follower of Jesus is a part of this place and embraces God's truth. Now, that's been an important concept here in 1 John. 1 John has helped us to understand the difference between a true follower of Jesus and those who are not really followers of Jesus. And one of the very first things he said is that a true follower of Jesus embraces the truth that's in the gospel, that embraces the truth that is the Bible. He would tell it to us in chapter 2, now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. The truth is not in him. He says, here's how we know. Here's how we actually know I'm a follower of Jesus. Here's how I know I'm in the right space. Because I believe his truth. Because I embrace the gospel. Because I embrace his commandments. I embrace what Jesus has said. If someone says, well, I'm a Christian, I just don't do that. It's like, well, you're not really a Christian. Because Christians, they're like, this is one of the ways we can tell is that, you know, people who are really followers of Jesus embrace Jesus and embrace the gospel and embrace the Bible and embrace what's there. It can't be any other way. It, it is that way. Jesus would say the same thing. In John 8, he's speaking to the Pharisees who are rejecting him. And he says, he who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you're not of God. He says, if you're of God, you're going to listen. You're going to hear what he's saying. And the reason you can't get it is because you're not. It's a demarcation between light and darkness, between truth and error, that he is just telling us that's a fact. That's a fact that would change the way you see the world. It would change it, not in the sense that we're happy with that, not like, well, I'm just so glad they're there. No, we recognize this. That's where they are. One of the things we've, we've tried to understand in the midst of all this is really one of the reasons we're still here. One of the reasons why the victory is not yet done, while death is not yet defeated, while sickness is still present and sorrow is still a part of this world, one of the reasons we're still here is because God is still rescuing people. People are being translated from darkness to light. He is still doing that. This is incredibly good news. So it's not that we're looking at this and going, well, I'm just so glad they're over there and I'm over here. It's like, no, I recognize this is who we are and I want more to come. But I'm not surprised at where the world is. I'm not surprised that the world is dark. I'm, I get it. And God save more. God do incredible things. God, God draw this, but allow this again just to be the fact that changes the way you view the world. So facts. He is telling us things. He's telling us right now things that are solidly true, whether you feel them or believe or not. If you're a child of God, you're his. And you've overcome because God is greater than anything that's in the world. And we're of him, and everybody who's of him will hear that truth, and those facts should change the way that you see it. Now, I think about what's being said there and the hope that's being given there. Let me give it to you in a different way. So I've had this verse at the bottom of the screen that has not yet been one we covered, but in some ways it's saying the same thing, and some of you have seen it, other of you are like, still, I'm still trying to see it. It's so small, Pastor Jim. I, I understand. Let me blow it up. So Jesus is speaking in John 16 at the end of, of his life, right before he goes to the cross, and he simply tells his disciples an incredible truth. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Wow. What a nugget of truth that is worth you just processing with me for a moment. He's honest with us. He didn't tell us to expect anything else. He says, here's the thing. The world's going to be hard. In this world, it's going to be trouble. No surprise. 
No surprise, the world is broken upside down. Sin is bad, and you're going to be a part of it. He didn't lie to us. He didn't tell us to expect anything else other than that. And most of us this morning understand that. Like, we didn't, we, we at least hope, I mean, we knew, like, okay, life is, yeah. This world is, is difficult at times. It is filled with sorrow and sin and sickness and trouble. And we would say, boy, you're right, Jesus. <laughs> we, we, we have trouble in this world. But he says, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to pretend that that doesn't exist. I'm not, a, I'm not denying the reality of that, but I want you to take heart. Why? Because I overcame. Because I've beaten it. Because I've won. Because that's not the end of the story. And you know the end of the story. And you could find heart in this. In fact, let me put the whole verse up on the screen because not all of it's quoted there. In John 16, 33, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So there are things that are just solid here. This world is trouble, no surprise. But Jesus has won. That's a fact. That's a fact. But what he wants you to do with this fact, he says, if you believe this, you'll find peace and you'll take heart. You'll be able to go through that in a way that you're not totally stressed out by it. You have peace. You, you have peace, not because you are confident how everything's working out in the interim or because you, you, you don't think that you'll ever have to face some of those sorrows. No, you say, I, no matter what happens, I know this. Jesus has already won, and that changes everything for me. So, see, I told you my silly story at the beginning. Can I just remind you of it? See, I'm just telling you, there are clowns, spiritual clowns, if you want to think about it this way, who would love to make you afraid, who spend their days, you know, scaring you, doing their best to scare you. But there's a way that you could be unafraid, where you could sit there and go, are you done yet? You know, I just like, I mean, like, I already know where this goes. I mean, what, what, what could give you that peace is knowing these truths. It doesn't mean that we don't have to go through it. It doesn't mean that those things aren't there. But if you could look at it and you could say, here's what I know. As a child of God, I'm his. He has already won. I've already overcome because God is bigger than anything else here. And I'm a part of the body of Christ that everybody who's of him is hearing and coming to this truth. And these things, they meet me. They meet me and give me confidence and hope and peace. And that's what I'm offering to you this morning. That's what I'm just telling you is there. That's what I'm telling you. And whether you feel it or not, it's true, but you are meant to feel it so that you could have peace, that you could do as Jesus said, where he simply said, in the world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I, I've overcome. I've overcome the world. And believing that would change everything. So with that in mind, you can close your Bibles, your notebooks. We're going to take a few moments and, and just allow this to kind of settle. And we're going to give you a moment to pray in just a moment. Before I go there, I want to just say this. Maybe again, you're here and you're not yet a child of God. I want to try to say this again. We're not mocking you. We're not in, in one sense saying, hey, we're of God and you're not. No, we're telling you, you can be. It's why we're still here. Thank God he's given us more space. Thank God he's waited because for many of us, we are those that we recognize and, hey, we've come out of that. We've come out of the darkness and into the light. He has rescued us from that and he's still doing that. 
And if that's you here today, that you would recognize, hey, these things are true, and you're on the losing side. You're, you're on the side that's going to lose and, and go under and be destroyed. And we would just invite you today to change sides, that you would turn from darkness to light, from, from, from Satan to God, that you would find yourself being changed. And if that's you today, we're going to pray in a few moments, and we're just going to invite you in the midst of that prayer, ask Him to save you, ask Him to rescue you, and then come up and talk to us afterwards. May God just rescue now. But now I just want to speak one more time to children of God. You're a child of God. If, you, if you've believed in Jesus, if you're born again, and there are incredible things that are true, True whether you feel it or believe it or not, but he's inviting you to believe it. Then he would say, do you not understand? You're his. You're his. And you've overcome. You have overcome because of who he is. You have overcome because of who he is. And you're a part of this body of Christ of believing in his truth. And if you believe that, then you could have peace. You could have, have peace in the midst of it. You could have a, a help in the midst of this broken world that is so confusing, that is so upside down. And maybe you are. Maybe you're here this morning, you're like, Jim, that's, that's how I make it through the day. <laughs> I don't know anybody else does it. I agree. But maybe you're here and you're panicking. Maybe the knives that are being thrust into the wood around you are scaring you to pieces because somehow you thought they were going to hit you. Somehow you thought they were going to sink you. Somehow you thought they were going to define you. And they're not. They're not. And believing who you are in Christ, believing what he is, believing that, you know, we are already, we know the end of the story. We know where this ends. We know where we're going is meant to be help to you today. Not just confidence for you in the tomorrow, though you should be confident about it. It actually is meant to change you now. So maybe it is. Maybe it's not. But if it's not, would you take a moment and just talk to him about it? Ask him for it. Ask him for the peace. Ask him for the heart. Ask him for the encouragement. In this quiet space between you and him, would you talk to him about that? Just going to give you a quiet moment before we close in worship that this is a moment for you to pray personally and talk to God about what he has talked to you about this morning. So you take a moment and pray. I'll do the same. And we'll close in worship in a moment. God, I think about this broken world. I think about the devil and his lies. I think about the darkness that permeates every corner of our world. I think about the pain. 
think about the sickness. I think about the death. God, I thank you that you have dealt with this. Thank you for loving us and sending your son to die on the cross for us. That Jesus, you defeated sin and death and the grave and everything else. You are the great overcomer. And because you overcame, we get to overcome. Thank you for rescuing those of us who are yours out of the darkness and bringing us into the light. God, thank you that you're still doing that. That one of the main reasons this is not yet over is because there's still more that you're saving. Today, draw these that don't know you here. And then literally around the world, people who would come to Christ today, draw them out of the darkness into the light that they would hear and believe in you and be born again and become children of God. Do that. God, I'm so glad that you're doing that. I pray for that. And then those of us who are yours, children of God because of you, help us to see it, to see that you've already overcome. And because you overcame, we overcome. It's who we are. You said that if we believed that, it would give us peace. You said it would give us heart. It would, it would take heart. It would be courage to us. Courage to face the moment. Lord, where that's present in people's lives today, thank you. Pour it out more. Where it's not. Where this world is scaring us. Where the darkness around us is terrifying us. Would you help us to understand that it's going away? and you're winning, we win. Would you help us to believe in what you are and what you've done and to find that you are the answer that we really needed? God, would you make it so for me and for all of us here as we just take this moment and ask for that? And we ask for it together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May God be that to you. May he be your peace, your source. If you have questions, if we can pray with you or for you, make your way up after the service, we would love to do that. Again, if you're giving your life to Christ or again, just need that, we're here for you. But I also want to take just a moment to encourage you as we do each week. We're going to pray. We're going to, sorry, we're going to close in worship in just a moment. And when we're done, we're encouraging you, don't immediately make your way out. Our encouragement is that maybe you would take a t- moment to encourage somebody else. That you'd find somebody either that you know or even don't know. And, and just encourage them for a moment. Pray for them even. Find out how to do that. Be those who are a part of this hope that we have this morning. We invite you to that. So with that invitation, why don't you stand? And we'll close in worship, celebrating our God, celebrating the hope that we have in Christ. So let me bless you in his name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.